This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Autobiography of Madame Kion by Jean Kion, Volume 2, Chapter 20. On January 29, 1688, I went to St. Mary's. There they let me know I must neither have my daughter nor a maid to serve me, but must be locked up alone in a chamber. Indeed, it touched me to my heart when my daughter was taken from me. They would neither allow her to be in that house, nor anybody to bring me any news of her. I was then obliged to sacrifice my daughter as if she were mine no longer. The people of the house were proposed with so frightful an account of me that they looked at me with horror. For my jailer they singled out a nun who, they thought, would treat me with the greatest rigor, and they were not mistaken therein. They asked me who was now my confessor. I named him, but he was seized with such a fright that he denied, though I could have produced many persons who had seen me at his confessional. So then they said they had caught me in a lie. I was not to be trusted. My acquaintances then said they knew me not, and others were at liberty to invent stories and say all manner of evil of me. The woman appointed for my keeper was gained over by my enemies to torment me as a heretic, an enthusiast, one crack-brained and a hypocrite. God alone knows what she made me suffer. As she sought to surprise me in my words, I watched them to be more exact in them, but I feared the worse for it. I made more slips and gave her more advantages over me thereby, beside the trouble in my own mind for it. I then left myself as I was and resolved, though this woman would bring me to the scaffold by the false reports she was continually carrying to the prioress, that I would simply resign myself to my lord, so I re-entered into my former condition. Monsieur Charon the official and the doctor of Sorbonne came four times to examine me. Our Lord did me the favor which he promised to his apostles to make me answer much better than if I had studied Luke 21, 14, 15. They said to me, if I had explained myself, as I now did, in the book entitled Short and Easy Method of Prayer, I would not now have been here. My last examination was about a counterfeit letter, which they read and let me see. I told them the hand was no way like mine. They said it was only a copy. They had the original at home. I desired a sight of it, but could not obtain it. 
I told them I never wrote it, nor did I know the person to whom it was addressed, but they looked scarcely any notice of what I said. After this letter was read, the official turned to me and said, You see, madam, that after such a letter there was foundation enough for imprisoning you. Yes, sir, said I, if I had written it. I showed them its falsehoods and inconsistencies, but all in vain. I was left two months and treated worse and worse before either of them came again to see me. Till then, I had always some hope that, seeing my innocence, they would do me justice. But now I saw that they did not want to find me innocent, but to make me appear guilty. The official alone came the next time and told me that I must speak no more of the false letter, that it was nothing. How nothing, said I, to counterfeit a person's writing, and to make one appear an enemy to the state, he replied, we will seek out the author of it. The author, said I, is no other than the scrivener courtier. He then demanded where the papers were which I wrote on the scriptures. I told him I will give them up when I should be out of prison, but was not willing to tell with whom I had lodged them. About three or four days before Easter, he came again with the doctor, and a verbal process was drawn up against me for rebelling in not giving up letters. Copies of my writings were then put into their hands, for I had not the originals. I know not where those who got them from me have put them, but I am firm in the faith that they will all be preserved in spite of the storm. The prioress asked the official how my affair went. He said, very well, and that I should soon be discharged. This became the common talk, but I had a presentiment of the contrary. I had an inexpressible satisfaction and joy in suffering and being a prisoner. The confinement of my body made me better relish the freedom of my mind. St. Joseph's Day was to me a memorable day, for then my state had more of heaven than of earth beyond what any expression can reach. This was followed, as it were, with a suspension of every favor then enjoyed a dispensation of new sufferings. I was obliged to sacrifice myself anew and to drink the very dregs of the bitter draught. I never had any resentment against my persecutors, though I well knew them, their spirit and their actions. Jesus Christ and the saints saw their persecutors and at the same time saw that they could have no power except it were given them from above. John nineteen eleven. 
Loving the strokes which God gives, one cannot hate the hand which he makes use of to strike with. A few days after the official came and told me he gave me the liberty of the cloister, that is, to go and come in the house. They were now very industrious in urging my daughter to consent to a marriage, which had it taken place would have been her ruin. To succeed herein, they had placed her with a relation of the gentleman whom they wanted her to marry. All my confidence was in God that he would not permit it to be accomplished, as the man had no tincture of Christianity, being abandoned both in his principles and morals. To induce me to give up my daughter, they promised me an immediate release from prison and from every charge under which I labored. But if I refused, they threatened me with imprisonment for life and with death on the scaffold. In spite of all their promises and threatenings, I persistently refused. Soon after the official and doctor came to tell the prioress I must be closely locked up. He represented to them that the chamber I was in was small, having an opening to the light or air only on one side, through which the sun shone all the day long, and being the month of July, it must soon cause my death. They paid no regard. She asked why I must be thus closely locked up. They said I had committed horrible things in her house, even within the last month, and had scandalized the nuns. He protested the contrary, and assured them the whole community had received great edification from me, and could not but admire my patience and moderation but it was all in vain. The poor woman could not refrain from tears at a statement so remote from the truth. They then sent for me and told me I had done base things in the last month. I asked what things. They would not tell me. I said then that I would suffer as long and as much as it should please God, that this affair was begun on forgeries against me, and so continued that God was witness of everything. The doctor told me that to take God for a witness in such a thing was a crime. I replied that nothing in the world could hinder me from having recourse to God. I was then shut up more closely than at first, until I was absolutely at the point of death. Being thrown into a violent fever, and almost stifled with the closeness of the place, and not permitted to have any assistance. In the time of the ancient law, there were several of the Lord's martyrs, who suffered for setting and trusting in the one true God. In the primitive church of Christ, the martyrs shed their blood for maintaining the truth of Jesus Christ crucified.
now there are martyrs of the holy ghost who suffer for their dependence on him for maintaining his reign in souls and for being victims of the divine will it is this spirit which is to be poured out on all flesh as said the prophet joel the martyrs of jesus christ have been glorious martyrs he having drunk up the confusion of that martyrdom but the martyrs of the holy spirit are martyrs of reproach and ignominy the devil no more exercises his power against their faith or belief but directly attacks the dominion of the holy spirit opposing his celestial motion in souls and discharging his hatred on the bodies of those whose minds he cannot hurt o holy spirit a spirit of love let me ever be subjected to thy will and as a leaf is moved before the wind so let me be moved by thy divine breath as the impetuous wind breaks all that resists it so break thou all that opposes thy empire although i have been obliged to describe the procedure of those who persecute me i have not done it out of resentment since i love them at my heart and pray for them leaving to god the care of defending me and delivering me out of their hands without making any movement of my own for it i have apprehended and believed that god will have me write everything sincerely that his name may be glorified that the things done in secret against his servants should one day be published on the housetops for the more they strive to conceal them from the eyes of men the more will god in his own time make them all manifest august twenty two sixteen eighty eight it was thought i was about coming out of prison and everything seemed to turn toward it but the lord gave me a sense that far from being willing to deliver me they were only laying new snares to ruin me more effectually and to make father lamont known to the king and esteemed by him on the day mentioned which was my birthday being forty years of age i awaked under an impression of jesus christ in an agony seeing the counsel of the jews against him i knew that none but god could deliver me out of prison and i was satisfied that he would do it one day by his own right hand though ignorant of the manner and leaving it wholly to himself in the order of divine providence my case was led before madame de maintenon who became deeply interested in the account given her of my sufferings and at length procured my release a few days afterward i had my first interview with abbe fenelon
Coming out of St. Mary's, I retired into the community of Madame Miramion, where I kept my bed of a fever three months, and had an imposture in my eye. Yet, at this time, I was accused of going continually out, holding suspected assemblies together with other groundless falsehoods. In this house, my daughter was married to Monsieur La Nicolas Fouquet, Count Devaux. I removed to my daughter's house, and on account of her extreme youth, lived with her two years and a half. Even there my enemies were ever forging one thing after another against me. I then wanted to retire quite secretly to the house of the Benetings and Bondarki, my native place, but it was discovered, and both friends and enemies jointly prevented. The family in which my daughter was married, being of the number of Abbey Fenelon's friends, I had the opportunity of often seeing him at our house. We had some conversations on the subject of a spiritual life in which he made several objections to my experience therein. I answered them with my usual simplicity, which, as I found, gained upon him. As the affair of Molinos at that time made a great noise, the plainest things were distrusted, and the terms used by mystic writers exploded. So I so clearly expounded everything to him, and so fully solved all his objections, that no one more fully imbibed my sentiments than he which has since led the foundation of that persecution he has suffered. His answers to the bishop of Meaux evidently showed this to all who have read them. I now took a little private house to follow the inclination I had for retirement, where I sometimes had the pleasure of seeing my family and a few particular friends. Certain young ladies of St. Cyr, having informed Madame Mandenon that they found in my conversation something which attracted them to God, she encouraged me to continue my instructions to them. By the fine change in some of them, with whom before she had not been well pleased, she found she had no reason to repent of it. She then treated me with much respect, and for three years after, while this lasted, I received from her every mark of esteem and confidence. But that very thing afterward drew on me the most severe persecution. The free entrance I had into the house, and the confidence which some young ladies of the court distinguished for their rank and piety, placed in me, gave no small uneasiness to the people who had persecuted me. The directors took unbreached at it, and under pretext of the troubles I had some years before, 
they engaged the bishop at charters superior of saint cyr to present to madame Maintenon that by my particular conduct i troubled the order of the house that the young women in it were so attached to me and to what i said to them that they no longer hearkened to their superiors i then made i then went no more to saint cyr i answered the young ladies who wrote to me only by letters unsealed which passed through the hands of madame Madnenon. soon after i fell sick the physicians after trying in vain the usual method of cure ordered me to repair to the waters of bourdon my servant had been induced to give me some poison after taking it i suffered such exquisite pains that without speedy succor i should have died in a few hours the man immediately ran away and i have never seen him since when i was at bourbon the waters which i drew up burned like spirits of wine i had no thought of being poisoned till the physicians of bourbon assured me of it the waters had but little effect i suffered from it for above seven years god kept me in such a disposition of sacrifice that i was quite resigned to suffer everything and to receive from his hand all that might befall me since for me to offer in any way to vindicate myself would be only beating the air when the lord is willing to make any one suffer he permits even the most virtuous people to be readily blinded toward them and i may confess that the persecution of the wicked is but little when compared with that of the servants of the church deceived and animated with a zeal which they think right many of these were now by the artifices made use of greatly imposed on in regard to me i was represented to them in an odious light as a strange creature since therefore i must o my lord be conformable to thee to please thee i set more value on my humiliation and on seeing myself condemned of everybody than if i saw myself on the summit of honor in the world how often have i said even in the bitterness of my heart that i should be more afraid of one reproach of my conscience than of the outcry and condemnation of all men End of chapter 20, volume 2, Athens, Greece, July of 2009.